Right. Hey, in case you are, um, in case you're wondering what salt is, real quick, um, announcements. Andrew gave us a little breakdown just a minute ago, but um, if you can imagine, how many of you guys went to altitude? Yeah, 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 yep. Okay, so um, salt is like altitude on steroids. That's pretty much what it is, except it's in a hotel, okay, because it's the middle of the winter. We can't go camping, so um, at least not in Texas. And so uh, we're going to go to a hotel in Dallas. We're going to gather up with Chi Alphas from, uh, from like a five-state area. It's Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana, and Arkansas are, are all five of those states. Chi Alphas from all five of those states are going to gather in Dallas-Fort Worth, and it is going to be an absolutely phenomenal time. Um, to give you an idea, if you thought that altitude was cool, um, because there were like hundreds of students there, SALT is thousands of students that will be there. It's legit. You do not want to miss it. You want to make the sacrifice to get there, and I get it. It's $199. It's a sacrifice to get there, but, but listen, um, anything that you do to further yourself spiritually will require sacrifice. You guys get that, right? If you're going to grow in the Lord, it's going to take a little bit from you to get there, right? It's not easy. It's not, it's not meant to be. And so um, you, you have to make the sacrifice to get there. Now, we are going to make it $20 easier <laughs> if you sign up next Tuesday. We actually have a code that's just for us, just for Angelo State Chi Alpha, that next Tuesday... You get $20 off if you go and register for SALT next Tuesday. So we'll have that code for you at, uh, next week at the service. All you got to do between now and then is find a way to gather $50 for your deposit. You can take care of the rest of the 129 right? 50 plus 129 is 179. That's 199 minus 20. It's in math class. Let me make it easy on you. Just come up with $50 by next Tuesday to put your deposit down to go to SALT. You can pay the rest at SALT. Make sense? Everybody got it? Yeah? Okay, cool. I'm not a math teacher, and so uh, hopefully you got all that. Um, <laughs> uh, if not, just come see me after service. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll go from there. But um, hey, we want you to go to Salt, man. This is um, it, this is uh, this is legit. It, it's it's over the Christmas break, and I assure you, it will totally be worth it. Um, so we are finishing up our "I Am" series. These are seven statements that Jesus made about himself. These were statements my, made by Jesus himself, and and this is really who is Jesus according to Jesus. And so we've taken the last seven, six weeks and we've said, hey, um, let's look at what Jesus said about himself and let's see if we can learn a little bit about this man called Jesus, about the Son of God, about this man that many of you would call your Lord and your Savior. And, and, and yet, even though you call him Lord and Savior, I'm willing to bet that in the last few weeks you've probably learned something new about him. Or maybe you've learned a new way to connect with him. Because what we said a couple weeks ago is that we can know Jesus, we can know about Jesus with our mind, right? We can learn a whole lot about Jesus, and, and that's important, but, but if you don't love Jesus with your heart, you're kind of missing the best part of our faith, aren't you? you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, that, is, that is the best thing that we could do as Christians is to pursue the Lord in such a manner. Y'all just ignore him while he's setting up. It's okay. Um, now, now, the flip side is, is that some of you, you walked into this, into this school year, and maybe you loved Jesus. I can tell we got like some ADD people right now, because you're like, 
What's going on? What's he doing? What's he? It's just a yellow extension cord. He'll be done in just a minute. It's okay. Nothing's going to blow up or catch on fire. I know we've done that before. Not tonight, okay? <laughs> this is totally safe, I promise. Um, so, it, but it, the flip side is maybe you came into Chi Alpha and, and you're like, man, I love Jesus, but you've never really studied Jesus. You don't really know much about him. And, and what we said a couple weeks ago is you kind of need both of these legs to stand on. You need to love the Lord. You need to have an experience with him that, that kind of affirms those truths that you know in your mind, right? I mean, you've got two legs to stand on. You're strong in your faith. Because if you just know the Lord and you don't love the Lord, well, man, you know, you're probably not going to go too far in your faith. But if you just love the Lord and you don't really learn about the Lord, you don't mature in knowing about him, I, I'm willing to say that your faith is probably kind of weak and, and maybe you'll find out that your faith is kind of stagnated. It's kind of stopped. It's, it's kind of hit the pause button and you haven't really grown much. Well, we're taking these seven statements of Jesus and we are trying to grow closer to him. We want to know who he is. Um, the, the preacher at Altitude made this great statement that I thought was absolutely phenomenal. He said this. He said, um, uh, I didn't get married to my wife to be less intimate with my wife. I didn't enter into covenant with someone to become less intimate with the one that I entered into covenant with, right? Like, you guys get this, okay, if you really think about this. I didn't marry my wife. I didn't say I do and, and, and enter into covenant with my wife, covenant relationship with my wife, to become less intimate, I married my wife to make two baby girls with my wife. Amen? That's what marriage is about, becoming more and more intimate with the one that you're entering into covenant with. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, literally the picture that we're given scripturally is that you become the bride of Christ. You enter into covenant with Christ. And so in the same way, we enter into, into covenant with Christ. We hope that we can, we can grow closer and more intimate with him. So today, we're actually going to take a look at how we stay connected to Jesus. And Jesus, in the seventh I am statement that we're going to make, he says this, I am the vine. We're going to go to John chapter 15. We're going we're to skip around just a little bit, but we're going to read about half of that chapter. We're going to start in verse 1. Just read verse 1 and verse 2. See, Jesus says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus is the vine is what he says. And then Jesus says that his father, God, is the vine dresser. You might think gardener here. He's the one with the shears. He's the one with the little scissors that cut off the branches, right? He's the one that makes the plants look pretty, makes them fruitful. God the Father is the one who prunes the branches to become more fruitful. How many of you would say that you would love to be fruitful in your faith? I'd love for my faith to be fruitful. I would love to, to, to go to heaven and not, not stand at the gates alone, but, but to stand there with a whole row of people behind me who got there because I helped them get there, right? That's what fruitfulness looks like in our Christian faith. Fruitfulness looks like being close to Jesus, living close to Jesus. And so it, we want to be fruitful in our faith. Jump forward. We're going to go to verse 4. Read verses uh, 4 through 8. These will be on the screen. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I want you to notice something specific there. Um, This word abide that we see in in verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do very little in your faith. Is that what it says? No. Look at verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that's very different than sometimes what we think. Sometimes we, we fall into this category of, man, Jesus is super grace, right? Like he loves us, he's forgiven us, and he will continue to forgive me, and all those things are true. But the truth is, if all you're relying on is Jesus' forgiveness, you're probably not going to do a whole lot in your faith, right? In fact, Paul would say, listen, do, do we accept grace so that we can sin even more? By no means, In fact, when we truly love Jesus, we actually want to do the opposite. We want to get closer to him. We're willing to turn away from sin and turn away from the things that would remove us from our connection with the Lord so that we can turn towards Jesus and abide in Jesus. And so this word abide is going to come up tonight a lot. I want for you to to recognize where it comes from because have you ever noticed how... And you've seen this if you've paid attention even this semester, if you've been in church a while. Um, have you ever noticed how somebody will get saved? And then within just a short time, um, they, they tend to like fall away from the Lord. Or it's like they, they, they'll leave the community, right? They'll, they'll no longer come to Chi Alpha. They'll no longer come to church or wherever that is. And, and they'll find themselves disconnected from the Lord as though they never accepted the Lord, as, as, as though they never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have you ever noticed that? It's like somebody raised their hand, yes, I'm all for Jesus, and then three weeks later, it's like it never happened. And, and this isn't anything new. Like, you've got to understand this. Um, we see this in Chi Alpha, but this phenomenon has kind of been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years since, since our faith started. In fact, if you go read the Old Testament, you'll find that people um, throughout the years have been connected to God only to find themselves disconnected to God or from God or, or turning a different way, and they end up separated. And, and I think that all of that happens today for one main reason. People never figure out how to, as verse 5 says, abide in Christ. People never figure out how to stay connected to Jesus as the vine. It's like the scripture says, when we're disconnected, it's only a matter of time before we wither away like a branch that has been disconnected from its source of life. And see, here's the truth. God has been doing a ton of cool stuff in our community this semester. We've seen, we've seen dozens of people saved. Many of, the, many of you in this room tonight have been recently saved or you've rededicated your life to the Lord. And so, so the question remains, you know, how do you keep from being one of those that ends up falling away? I would say this, figure out how to stay connected to Jesus. Figure out how to abide in Jesus. Because apart from him, You can do nothing in your faith. This abide piece is super, super important. George Whitfield, um, he was a revivalist preacher in the 1700s. He was pretty much the man. If you ever want to go read some cool stuff, go read about George Whitfield. He he was like 
Man, he was around before, like they had, you know, PA systems where I'm sitting here talking to you kind of like normal and I'm just projecting a little bit. Well, George Whitfield was like louder than me on the speakers just by himself, you know. He had one of those booming voices where literally hundreds, if not thousands of people could listen to him. And and man, there were like literally thousands that got saved under George Whitfield's ministry. It, It was phenomenal what he was able to accomplish. And in the 1700s, he was asked... After a large gathering when lots of people had responded to the Lord, he was asked how many of them were converted? How many, how many people were converted? George Whitfield replied, we'll know in five years. That's pretty interesting, right? He's like, well, I guess we'll see. Because the first part, the raising of the hand, the going, Jesus, I want to be saved, that part seems to be pretty easy for people, but... To stay connected to the Lord seems to be more difficult. To figure out how to abide in Christ seems to be more difficult. And so tonight, um, you know, I I, kind of feel this way about you guys sometimes. Like, we come in here and for 30 minutes I preach to you. I give you the gospel. I give you the word. And, and, you know, I try to lead you towards, um, towards faith in the Lord in the span of like 30 minutes out of your life. Which is really this really short time segment, right? And, and you respond and, and you say, uh, man, I, I'm all in. I, I want to I, I be saved. And the thing that I hope is that your response is followed up with abiding. That somehow you figure out how to stay connected to the Lord. In fact, if you were to go read the definition of abide, um, it would say this. To continue without fading or being lost. To live or to dwell in Christ. So... There's a guy by the name of Andrew Murray, great, great author. Um, if you guys want to, um, you guys want to read anything um, by Andrew Murray, I would say go for it. He's pretty much the man. I just finished up this weekend a book of his uh, called Humility, and um, Andrew Murray is like, man, he's like one of my favorite new authors. Okay, so he actually wrote a book called Abide in Christ. Now it's a little more difficult read. It's a little bit older English, and so. You'll have to kind of trudge your way through it a little bit, maybe even read it twice. But from what I've heard, it's totally worth it. Go find anything by Andrew Murray, pick it up and read it. You'll be blessed for it. Um, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, okay, I'm just curious, a genuine question. Um, how, many of you, um, how many of you know like the story of Moses? Just out of curiosity. Okay, hands down. Um, okay, so Moses was a man who uh, God called to go and rescue God's people, God's nation of Israel, out from under Egyptian bondage and slavery. So what happened was Egyptians were like the superpower of the day, and they came in, they, they took over God's people, and they, they made them all slaves, and then they, the, God's people cried out to God and said, hey, God, we're hurting over here. Help us out. God said, okay. He sends Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go get my people. Take them out of Egypt to the promised land. Well, the trip from Egypt to the promised land was, was through a desert and took them about 40 years. Now, during this time, the people of God wanted to connect with God. So, and God wanted to connect with them. And so, God says, all right, um, hey, Moses, I'm going to set my presence down on this mountain, okay? 
and, um, and, and you can come up here and talk to me. When God set his presence down on the mountain, the people literally got scared, okay? And, and, um, and for good reason. From what I understand, like, my, like my, my imagination, like, just makes me think when the presence of God rests on a mountain and there's, like, smoke or a cloud that surrounds the mountain and you can, like, you know, you can just tell something's going on there and you're kind of like, I'm not sure if I can go in there or not, right? Because something's up there and, and that, you know, that looks like, something supernatural, and, and, and it was, okay? And so they literally tell Moses, and you see this throughout, the, throughout their history, um, hey, Moses, you go meet with God, go talk to him for us, and then come back and let us know what he says. Well, this pattern of connecting with the Lord kind of continues all the way from God being on a mountain to the tabernacle, which was like a portable tent, that they used for church, and God's like, okay, I'll live in the little portable tent, you know, and, and but there was like this, this inner room, okay, this, this inner peace that, that just, that nobody was allowed to go into, except for the priest. And so, um, in fact, if you went in and you weren't supposed to be in there, you died, like immediately. And so the priest could go in, he could talk to God, he could hear from God, then he would come out and he would tell everybody what God said. You see what I'm saying? And so there came to be this separation between God and the people he really wanted to connect with. And there was only one person making this trip in and out, making the, making the trip between the two, communicating between the two. And so we, we kind of see that throughout the, the wilderness journey as they're going up into the promised land. And, and then when Jesus came, so this went, on, this, this went on this way for thousands of years, and then Jesus came. And Jesus destroyed the barrier that existed between God and his people. So now, whereas there was only one person allowed to go in and out, now God and his people could be together. There was nothing separating them because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on a cross, and it paid for our sins, and it opened up a relationship that we could have with the Father. So now, no longer do we have to go to one man and go, hey, listen, I got an issue. Would you mind going to God for me and, and, and telling him about it, and then come back and tell me what he says? Now, through Jesus, we can just go to God ourselves. And so there's kind of this, this breakdown of the barrier between us and God. And so, as I, as I think about that, um, I have conversations with some of you that are really excited about Chi Alpha. I have, some, I have conversations with some of you that are really excited about like coming and worshiping at Chi Alpha or coming and, and meeting with your friends or your life group leader here at Chi Alpha. And then there's like, you know, a few of you that are excited to hear the sermon. And, 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 but the problem is you become more excited about Chi Alpha and the stuff you find there than about Jesus. And it's like Chi Alpha has become your runner. Hey, what did God say? Well, I don't know. Let's go to, let's go to Chi Alpha and find out. Hey, well, okay, wait, I got this issue. Let's go pray. Let's, and, and, and the whole time, let me be clear, Chi Alpha was created to bring the Lord to the university campus. This is what we do. But we were never meant to be your priest or your runner. Right? But my job is not to be your Moses. My job is not to be the one who goes up on the mountain, finds out what God wants to say, and then come back and tell you. 
Do you understand? My job is, however, to show you where the mountain's at and tell you how to get there yourself, right? You see what I'm saying? And so there's a difference in being connected to me and being connected to Jesus. There's a difference in being connected to the worship band who's up here worshiping their hearts out, hoping that you'll enter in and connect with Jesus. Even they are trying to get you to connect with Jesus, not just a cool song that sounds good. You see what I'm saying? So, so you can't make Chi Alpha or anything in there. The, 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 the disconnect between you and the Lord. Eventually, you got to figure out how to connect with the Lord yourself. Like I get it. When John the Baptist, there was a point when John the Baptist, who Jesus would say was the greatest man to ever live on the face of the earth. And John the Baptist turns around and he says, I must decrease so that he can increase. So that Jesus can increase. I get it. Listen, at some point, Chi Alpha must decrease so that Jesus can increase in your heart. Right? Like we, we try to be good. We strive for excellence. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to play God in your life. Right? You see what I mean? Like, so there's got to be this connection between you and the Lord. Throughout history, if you studied the revivals, like there are many times in history where God has moved in mighty and powerful ways, both in American history and over in Europe. Man, we've seen this over and over again, the world, the world throughout. You go look and you study revivals. They always begin with a believer. They can usually be, here's the cool thing, they, a revival can usually be tracked back to one person who was intimately in love with the Lord. Usually, at least recorded-wise, um, they always had a great prayer life. Now what would happen is that person would end up influencing a few people, teaching them how to be intimately in love with the Lord, and then the Lord would use those people to go out, and they would get a ton of people saved. And, and literally, I mean, we're talking about guys like, uh, we're, we're talking about guys like George Whitfield, who when he came through town, they, say, they would say that the bars couldn't even stay in business after he left. Huge movements of God. And when you go through there and you study the revivals, movements of God started when the founder knew Jesus deeply. Movements of God died when the followers only knew the founder. You catch that? Movements of God started when the founder knew Jesus deeply. You know when movements died? It was when the followers only knew the founder. Now, God forbid you ever come to Chi Alpha and we only introduce you to Chi Alpha. We only introduce you to community. We only introduce you to a life group and we never introduce you to Jesus. Man, when is the last time it was just you and Jesus? When is the last time like your week didn't look forward to like coming in here and hearing what I wanted to tell you about Jesus or you know, scrolling for the, the right YouTube video or the right video on social media to pop up so that you could feel, you know, better. And when is the last time it was just you connected to Jesus and you found life just in Jesus? So tonight, we want to show you how to connect with the Lord. Tonight, we want to show you what abiding in Christ kind of looks like. Um, and so the first thing we're going to talk about tonight, real quick, is what we call SOAP. Okay, because one of the best ways to connect with the Lord is to read the Bible. All right, so if you don't have a Bible, man, they're free online. And all of you are like, you get free internet at ASU, so don't tell me you can't get it. Okay, <laughs> if you need a Bible, 
go talk to your life group leader. Come find me. We'll make sure that, that we get you one. But listen, I, I personally think there's something pretty special about flipping the page and making little notes and stuff like that that the Lord's talking to you about. I'd encourage you to get a Bible and begin to, de- uh, to take a deep dive into that thing. But let's talk about soap. Soap, soap looks like this. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. You should write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Um, So here's how this works. You open your Bibles, you go to the Scriptures, and and you just begin to read. And you read until something hits you. Like something catches your attention. The Lord begins to speak to you in some way. For some of you, man, maybe you just need to start out and you just need to say, okay, God, I'm just going to read a chapter a day. I'm just going to start out by reading a chapter a day. And you go through there and you read that chapter and you observe what the scriptures are saying. Okay? Um, the writer would say, you know, Jesus is saying, I am the vine and apart from me you can do nothing. Well, okay, that sounds pretty simple. I think I got it. Jesus, okay. Then you move into application. How do you apply that to your life? You, you've read the scripture. You've observed the meaning of the scripture, and then you move to application. How does this apply to my life? Well, it probably tells me I need to abide in Christ, that I need to be connected to Jesus, because he's the vine, and I'm the branch, and without him, I'm just going to die. Okay, got it, right? And then you pray about it, and you go, Lord, would you help me apply this to my life? Would you help me to live out what I've learned today? In Jesus' name, amen. That's soap. That's Bible study wrapped up in a two-minute description, okay? So that's what soap is. Soap is a great way to initially get connected with the Lord. Listen, the Bible is God's word. If you want to hear from the Lord, the Bible is the first place you start, okay? You want to learn more about God? The Bible is the first place you start. Start with the Bible. Get in the Bible. Okay, number two, we want to do this, how to connect with them. So if I were to ask you, um, how do you get closer with someone, what would you say? Do what? Learn about them. Spend time with them. Communicate with them, right? It works the same way with Jesus, right? To get closer to Jesus, what do you do? You, you spend some time with Jesus and you talk to Jesus. Just like you would any other friend, you would spend time with them and you would talk to them, okay? So that, that's pretty basic. Spend time with Jesus, talk to him. What does spending time with Jesus looks like? It looks like um, just like it does with any of your other friends. You see, some of you, you go out with friends and the whole time you're like this. And you're like, you know, you're like Snapchatting all the friends you wish were there, you know? All the cool people who aren't at the table with me right now, you know? Like, <laughs> don't treat Jesus that way, right? Like, it, like, if you want to spend some time with Jesus, spend some time with Jesus. Put away all the distractions. Spend some time with him and talk to Jesus, right? So, pretty simple. Number three, get to know him. Get to know him. And this is that learn more about him. Now, think about this with me. You, you guys kind of understand this, but intimate knowledge brings intimacy. Intimate knowledge brings intimacy. <clears throat> Let me put it like this, because you guys understand this. This is the reason that when you found that hottie, you went and spent about six hours with him. And you didn't talk about nothing but each other. You just wanted to know about each other. You're like, you know, he's hot, she's hot, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to go spend some time with them. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know who they are. It, you know, intimate knowledge, the greater knowledge that you have about them, the easier it is to love them, isn't it? Kind of works the same way with Jesus. Intimate knowledge brings intimacy. Now, some of you guys are like, yeah, okay, <laughs> let me break this down for you. 
Some of you guys, now I'm a campus pastor, I've been doing this for a while, and I have never seen a man and a woman become friends without one ending up liking the other. <clears throat> now here's why. Some of you guys are like, oh no, she's just a friend. She's, a, she's just, a, you friend zoned her, right? And, and, but she's like, I really like him, you know? Like, she doesn't know she's friend zoned, right? And some of you girls, uh, all you girls, you've done friend zoned all them dudes, and they don't know it. They, you know, you, they're just your friend, but to them, you're like more than a friend. You wish, that, you know, they wish you were, right? So, like, yeah, this happens all, I can tell by the way you're laughing right now. You get this, Okay. But why? Why does that happen? Because when you sit down, you get to know somebody intimately, you start to develop feelings for them. That that intimate knowledge, that deep knowledge, the secrets about them. And you begin to feel closer and closer to them. Intimate knowledge builds intimacy. It works the same way with the Lord. Spend some time with him. Talk to him. Study his word. Figure out who he is. Read a book about him. You're going to fall in love with Jesus. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you're going to fall in love with him, the more you're going to want to abide in him. It's why we've spent the last seven weeks telling you who Jesus is based on what Jesus said about himself. I'm hoping that in the last seven weeks you developed an intimate knowledge that has led to an intimacy with the Lord that you didn't have before we started. How could it not? How could you not spend seven weeks hearing about who Jesus is and not love him even more? How could you not hear about him? Think about it. He is your good shepherd, the one that laid down his life for the sheep. How do we respond to that? We just follow him. We know his voice. He's the bread of life. We hunger and we thirst after him, right? He is the light of the world. The light of Jesus shines into the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. You know what? It's not your light. It's his light. We just rest in the work that he's doing. It's pretty nice, isn't it? The door. Jesus made a way for us to become sons and daughters of God. Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, gives us the opportunity to connect with our Heavenly Father as sons and daughters, heirs with Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life. Jesus has purchased our forgiveness and our new life for us. We just get to walk in the new life that he offers. It's it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. Listen, when you really fall in love with the Lord, you really begin to dig into who he is. It's like impossible not to love him. It's impossible not to love Jesus more than anything and everything else. I get it. For some of you, maybe this is your first time with us and you're like, man, Jesus sounds cool, but I'm not real sure. Man, I would encourage you, stick around for just a little bit. Begin to seek the Lord yourself. Jesus said this, if you seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, he'll open the door and he he will reveal himself to you. Tonight's the same thing. We simply pursue Jesus. We abide in Jesus and when we do that, we'll find that our spiritual life isn't dead and dull. Like, have you ever met that person who, their spiritual life seems like fun? That, that, that Their spiritual life seems like invigorating. It's exciting. It's like there's something exciting going on because of Jesus. It's because they live really closely with Jesus. In fact, I would say if your, life, if your spiritual life isn't fun and exciting and life-giving and exhilarating, 
if it's not life-giving, maybe you're not plugged into the source of life. Listen, go read the Gospels. You'll figure it out. Jesus wasn't boring. If you're boring, you're probably not following Jesus closely. I'm not saying any of you are boring. That, that could be really offensive. I'm sorry. We're talking about real man Jesus here, right? That European model Jesus, right? You guys remember that one? <clears throat> real man Jesus wasn't boring. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Look at this, verse 2. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Blessed is the man who meditates on his word day and night. Okay, when you see a tree with like luscious green leaves, okay? And it's a fruit tree, all right? You kind of expect for there to be fruit coming off of that tree at some point, don't you? Right? Um, Now, when you see a tree that's a fruit tree and its leaves are withered, even when it's time for harvest, do you really expect for that tree to produce much? No way. Why? There's no life in it. It's got nothing to offer. It's got nothing to give. And like, like some of you guys have already figured this out. Like some of you guys are the ones who you are reading your Bible like every single morning. You get up and you give the Lord 10, 15, 30 minutes a day. And you're just like, you're, you're reading your word. And what happens? Throughout the day, what ends up happening is you run into somebody. You're having a conversation that is about the same very, the very same thing that you read earlier that morning. And you're like, I got something to offer. Listen, there's a promise of God that has to do with exactly what you're going through. And you get to bear fruit. You get to pass that along to somebody. Why? Because you were connected to the vine. You got some fruit to give. Right? Like some of you guys, like your life is, is you are the lush, <laughs> green-leafed tree. And it's just like you're just waiting for the opportunity to drop some fruit somewhere. And that's because you're plugged in. You're connected with Jesus. <clears throat> Our only job, if you, were to go, if you go back to, to that scripture, I want you to notice something. Um, some of you think it's really, really hard to, like, to, to bear fruit for the Lord. But there's this key. If you go back and you read that portion of scripture that we started with. Our only job is to abide in Christ. And literally, the, the verse says this. Abide in Christ. Okay? Ask the Lord what you need, and he'll give it to you so that you can bear fruit and bring glory to his name. Ask whatever you need, and it'll be given to you. When you're really close with Christ, and you're abiding in him, and you're feeling, you're you're fueled up by him. There's life coming from the Lord. You're in prayer. You're reading your word. You're learning about God. You're excited about Jesus. Your relationship is good with Jesus. And then you come up to this point where you're like, there's an opportunity to bear fruit here. God, I need this to glorify your name. And God always says, you got it. You see, what most of you don't realize is that... um, how many of you were here the very first night we were on campus at the pavilion? Okay. That was a phenomenal night. There were literally dozens of people saved that night. 
But see, the part of that night that you don't recognize is that we had life group leaders praying for that night weeks before that night ever came. We had life group leaders preparing for that night weeks before that night ever came. Fasting, praying, pouring their hearts into that night. Lord, would you please show up? We were asking the Lord to do something great so that his name could be glorified. And we got to witness it, didn't we? Dozens of people saved. Several people got baptized just in the spur of a moment. The Lord's name was lifted high that night. He was glorified. That's what it looks like to bear fruit for Jesus. Can I tell you something? None of that was because of us. It was just because we had been with Jesus. And God decided to show up that night. It it always works that way. We abide in Christ. We ask him what we need. Hey, Lord, tonight, man, I really need... I really need to know what to say to my friend so-and-so because, man, they're going through this thing and I'm just not real sure what to say or how to handle it. But because you've been connected with the Lord, because you've been in prayer, because you've been in the Word, you've got something to offer. And He delivers. He gives you exactly what you need so that His name is glorified. So, I want to give you um, three types of fruit that we see that um, scripturally... And, and here's the deal. Um, I bet that every mature Christian you can think of is going to fall into having at least one of these three types of fruit. Every mature Christian you can think of is going to have at least one, if not more, of these types of fruit in their life. The first one we're going to talk about is this, spiritual fruit. Galatians 5, through 23. says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, Those things are what are produced in your life when you abide in Christ. When you're close with Jesus, you're spending time with Jesus, I promise you these things are going to show up. And now, if you were to sit there and think about somebody who, who you consider to be a mature Christian, I'm betting some of these qualities exist in their life. And it's not because they're a good person, it's because they've spent time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus produces spiritual fruit. Okay? Second one, good works. Good works are another fruit that we see scripturally, Titus 3.14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. In other words, if we're not doing good works, it's unfruitful in the church, we should be connected with the Lord who's going to, 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 to help us to do good works to help others, right? So the first one we talked about, fruit of the Spirit, that's like who you are, Right? Good works is like what you do. Does that make sense? You guys following this? So this is like spiritual fruit that we see coming, uh, that exists in us and comes out of us when we're connected with Jesus. The third one is this. This is Jesus talking. This is harvesting souls. Matthew nine thirty seven. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You guys realize that the kingdom of heaven is all about souls? Like, good works are cool, but who do we do good works for? People that God loves, right? You guys understand that? And so, so some of you, if I were to ask you about a mature Christian, you'd say, dude, they get people saved. They're bringing people into the kingdom all the time. And some of you would go, man, they're such a mature Christian. They're always doing good things for other people to, to show them the love of God. 
And others of you would say, man, he's such a, he's such a peaceful, like loving, patient man. And it teaches me so much about the Lord, who the Lord is just to be around him. All right? These three spiritual areas. And, and here's my question tonight. Um, if you're not seeing this kind of fruit in your own life, then you've got to ask, what are you plugging into? What are you connected to? If this kind of fruit doesn't exist in our lives, what do we have to, like, what are we connecting to so that we're not connecting to Jesus? Because here's the truth, you only get to connect to one source at a time. I actually heard an interesting concept, um, because some of you guys are like, no, he's talking, I can do all kinds of things at once, I can multitask, okay? Um, so they actually have done studies and actually studied brain waves and like all this really technical stuff. I'll boil it down to you like this. When you're multitasking, you're actually not doing multiple things at once. You're spending a little bit of time here and 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 a little bit of time here. And then you go back. You spend a little bit of time here and a little bit of time here. You're doing one thing at a time. You're just really good at going back to the next thing. You only get to plug into one thing at one time. And it very much works this way with Jesus. Jesus is the Lord that says... He will take the number one seat and nothing else. God is the God that said, have no other gods before me. Put me on the number one spot. Jesus is the one that said that he would be our Lord and Savior throughout Scripture. We only see the Lord as our Savior if he's first Lord. He's got to be king, which is Lord, before he can be Savior. You only get to plug into Jesus and that's it. He will not share with anybody else. It's, it's crazy because I've seen hardened gang member drug dealers get this more than the kid who sat in church their whole life. I've heard stories from friends about the dude that got saved that was their friend that was in a gang that said, I can't do that anymore. To follow Jesus, I can't follow them anymore. And they ask for a ride over to the gang member's house. And they both know what's coming. Because if you've ever been connected in like gang culture, what you'll figure out is that you're jumped in and you're jumped out. And I talked with a guy just a a couple of months ago and he told me about picking up his buddy who got saved. He actually got saved in jail. He got out of jail. He came to my buddy's house and he says, I got to go tell him that I'm done with this life, that I'm for Jesus. And, and he looked at him, he said, you know what this means? He said, yeah, I need you to go with me. He drove the guy over to the house. His friend got out of the truck, went, knocked on the door, told him the news. They jumped the dude right there in the street, left him laying. My buddy went and picked him up, put him in the truck. See, that dude understands, I only get to be connected to Jesus. I can't, I can't play this two-sided game. Or I try to do this and I try to do that. And it was even cooler because the same guy who took that other guy to go get jumped out of the gang is the same dude who baptized the guy right here in this tank. And as the guy got out of the tank, they both meet up right over here in this hallway. They have this really cool conversation and went like this. He said, hey, dude, that's public. You just, you just got baptized. You told everybody you're living for Jesus. It's you and Jesus and nobody else. You know what that means, right? And that guy turned to him and said, yeah, 
I've been jumped in before. I know what that means. This is real. You see what I'm saying? Like, I watch hardened gang members understand there's only a connection to Jesus and nothing else, much more than like church kids who think they get to play with Jesus. Let me be clear. Abiding in Jesus is like a one-way street. You only get to move towards Jesus. And if you ever turn any other direction, you're going the wrong way. That's, that's what connecting with Jesus and abiding in Christ looks like. Now as I say that, here's what you got to know. Jesus is the Lord and Savior. That for some of you has showed up time and time and time again because you said you were for Jesus and you turned away. You began to live life however you wanted to instead of how he wanted you to. And then there came that point in your relationship where you said, Jesus, I got it all wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm turning back towards you. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess our sins to him. Because more important than your sin is the sacrifice that he made for your sin, which was the death on a cross that paid for your sin and gave you the right to turn back to Jesus. Some of you tonight, you need to quit going the wrong way down the one-way street. And I'm not saying you're going to live perfect. There ain't a soul in this room that that is ever going to do this thing perfectly. I don't get it right all the time. But we serve a Lord and a Savior who is more than willing to come alongside us, show us when we've messed up, to come alongside us and help, help steer us in the right direction. Some of you guys need to connect with Jesus again. Start moving along with him. Start going the right way down the one-way street. See, what I know is that sin severs the connection with Jesus. Repentance from sin restores it. Repentance is what some of you guys need to do tonight. You need to turn away from your sin and turn towards Jesus. And just to help illustrate this a little bit, um, here's what, um, here's what uh, I've got, okay? So I got a little lamp here. And um, see, for some of you, if this lamp were you, you've been working really, really hard to find life in other areas. And so I put up here um, screen time. I have no idea what just got set up up here. I can't plug into this. Yeah, he's dumb. We're going to. There's no plug there anyway. Here's the truth. You know what happens with some of you? You get down, you get depressed. You start, you start feeling a little down. The first thing that you turn to is a screen. The first thing that you turn to is social media. You go binge on Netflix. You go plug in a video game. You're going to log in. You're just going to go destroy somebody. I get it. Sometimes I want to do that too. But here's the truth. There's never any life in this, is there? In fact, you know what you know what you know what sociologists are figuring out right now is that there's actually this thing that, that like for a while they named it Facebook depression, now it's just social media depression. 
Because you log on and you start looking at your screen, you start scrolling through at everybody else's perfect little fake Facebook picture, right? Instagram, Snapchat, all this other stuff because they only put what they want everybody else to see. And then you start comparing it to your real life and you go, man, I suck. My life is horrible. I just feel worse. There's no life in that, is there? And we know it, but for some reason we keep turning to that thing, hoping to find life. It never happens. For some of you guys, you're like, how about others? You know what? This sounds fun. We're going to go join into a community that is life-giving. We're going to go hang out with people. You know, there's like, man, look, there's three plugs. I got three friends right here. We call this a life group, right? Now, I'm just going to plug in to the life group. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Wait a minute. There's no life in that one either. See, I thought by being a part of the community, I was going to get better. I thought by being a part of the community, by being intimately connected with my friends who love Jesus, that, that, well, maybe that would do it for me too. You know what happens in this instance is that you end up with friends that really do love Jesus, and they're super life-giving to you, but you become draining to them. Some of you guys, I got real quiet because some of you guys know those friends, right? But then you turn around and you're like, you know what? The whole time I'm supposed to plug in to Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's life. All of a sudden, there's something in you that you were looking for over here. There's something in you that seems to be satisfied because of Jesus that the screen time could never give you, that others could never give you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for life group suit. I am all about it. Listen, I intentionally told them, I was like, dude, I want the power strip up there on the Jesus side. You know why? Because there's like room for everybody to plug in. And, and as much as I want for you to plug in to others who love Jesus, you got to love Jesus too. Your connection with others isn't abiding in Christ. Your connection with others isn't the life that that you're looking for. That's only found in Jesus. And watch what happens when you connect to Jesus and then all of a sudden your friendships get better. The thing you were looking for from those friendships you're giving to other friends. All of a sudden, even the screen time gets better. It's like, dude, I can enjoy God's creation in a way that I never knew before. Because Jesus is in me. Jesus created that. That's really cool. And I'm praising God for those things. I'm really happy for those people that the Lord is blessing. Because I don't need to find my fulfillment in them. I can just celebrate with them. Right? Jesus makes all the difference. But let me be clear. You only get one plug. You can only plug in to one thing at a time. And it's Either Jesus or something else. And abiding in Christ looks like plugging into Jesus and staying there. To live or to dwell in Christ is what abiding in Christ looks like. Plugged into him and staying there. Let me pray for you guys tonight.